Hello and welcome to the Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. As always, I'm JT, and I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. Well, my friends, I know that you've heard me mention it in the past, but a few of the things that I enjoy the most about this journey that has become the Paranormal Sun are catching up with you, the audience, and, and hearing from you. And I've had an excellent few emails lately from a gentleman in the San Antonio area in Texas, Mark. So thanks, Mark, for being in touch. Mark pointed out a few issues that I've got on Google Podcasts and just trying to let me know that there was an issue. Because as I say, folks, a lot of times I don't realize that there is. So thanks, Mark, for that. And uh, thank you for your service and your 24 years in the military, Mark. means a lot to me and to many, many people. So that's one of the first things I enjoy, like I say, and there's lots of other great listeners out there and friends of the show that interact with me, and I do appreciate it. You're the wind in my sails, and it really helps me go and keep the show running. Now, as I told you, I've been quite busy. I've got a few other things going on in the quote-unquote real world off-air, and one of them is preparing for a job role that I would really like to get. And I've been working quite diligently away on that. Now, also, because of the timing of that and potentially upcoming interviews and all of that, I've got quite a few ex-guests of the show and people who want to be guests of the show have been reaching out to say, hey, JT, can we record while you've still got the time? And the answer is, of course. I was recently on the old 77 podcast, episode 86, I want to say. No, 89, sorry, it was episode 89. And I've got, I've done a few recent recordings and I've got a few more coming up in the next few days. So very busy times here at the Paranormal Sun and here in Tower Studios. But one of the things that, as I say, I always enjoy is that collaboration. Working with others, talking to others in this realm, talking to others that have the same interests that we all do. Now, one of those people is a gentleman out of Chicago who's originally from Kentucky, but he is a super down-to-earth and a excellent host of the program Blurry Photos. His name's David Flora. David started that show about 10 years ago with uh, David Stecco, who's no longer on the program, but David continues to persevere and continues to not only do that show, but he does another show with his wife called Quiz Quiz Bang Bang, which is about getting ready for quiz-type competitions. A lot of them are online now. Here in New Zealand, we would call it the pub quiz, but obviously in the U.S., you would have a different name for it. And also, David has been working on a full-length documentary about the Borrego Springs Triangle. So if you don't know about that, check into it. Now, I've got links in the show notes to these excellent uh, projects that David is working on. And included in there, there's a link to the Kickstarter for Shadows in the Desert. Now, I've got a bit of an update from David for those of you that might be curious. They are currently going through and editing and doing post-production on the documentary. So it is still in the works, definitely, folks. It's definitely on the way. So why am I mentioning all this? Well, of course, I was very fortunate to sit down with David. <laughs> Ironically, about a year ago at this point, and again, folks, I apologize. I am trying to get through this backlog of interviews and get them on the air for you. And this was one that means a lot to me. 
Because as I mentioned to David in this interview, and also I've mentioned to you before on the show, when I was going through a really difficult time in my life, there were a few podcasts that were out there that I listened to that really helped me get through a lot of that and just function on a day-to-day manner when I needed a bit of a laugh, a bit of a smile. And Blurry Photos was definitely one of those. So this is a bit of a fanboy moment for me. And again, David's been doing this for 10 years, whereas I've only been doing it for, well, coming up on two years. So he's definitely got a breadth and depth of knowledge. David was also nice enough to try and help and give me some pointers, and I do really appreciate it. So David, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show with me. Now, one other thing to point out, folks, there are a few things that you will hear me say in this episode that you might be scratching your head and saying, what the heck is that about? They're all kind of insider jokes, Being having been a listener to Blurry Photos. So when they got to episode 100, Dave and David decided to have a bit of fun, and they did an episode basically poking fun at kind of your 1950s, 1960s sci-fi type shows, and that episode was called The Chrononauts, and it was a couple of quote-unquote, you know, red-blooded American men that were in the, like, the chrono service or whatever it was. I can't remember all the details off the top of my head because it's been quite a few years now since I've listened to it, but in that episode, they were going on and talking about smoking a smooth, you know, Chesterfield cigarette, and so that's where that comes from in this. So if you're thinking, oh, did you get bought out by a tobacco company, JT. No, that's that's not the case. It's a bit of an insider joke. And also, the Holy Grail was the central theme of that episode. So that's why I joke a bit about that central theme. And then also some of the other things like um, me, you know, joking about therefore aliens. It, again, it's just another Blurry Photos episode. It was just an, them talking about some of those kind of documentaries from the 60s and 70s with people like Rod Serling and that. And some of the assumptions that some of the guests on the show jump to, you know, go that's kind of the joke. It's like, well, no one can find this, therefore it must be aliens. So yeah, folks, if you're wondering what the heck that's all about, hopefully that gives you a little better context. So because this is your typical paranormal fireside chat, meaning two hours plus in length, we're not going to have a news of the damned or anything else on this episode. But like I say, again, thanks very much, Mark in San Antonio, for reaching out. And again, thank you everyone else who continues to get in touch with me, continues to reach out and check in on me, and make sure things are going all right. And again, uh, just for those of you that might be curious, look, Vi is doing fine. She's back to work. We're waiting for the final word from the doctors. But it looks like, hopefully, that her heart condition can be regulated with medicine and we won't have to she won't have to go through having a surgery or a pacemaker or anything like that but i will keep you posted so aside from that my friends you stay safe out there take care i can't tell you what the next episode is i've got many many interviews to get through and it's just a matter of will i get those edited and out or will it be new content out in between but yeah i am committed (laughs) that at least by the end of this season you'll get the conclusions of the Betty and Barney Hill case. And aside from that, you're probably going to get a liberal dose of more interviews and some news of the damn mixed in there. So sit back, relax, go and get yourself a something nice to eat or a nice drink or both and enjoy this awesome interview that I had with David Flora from Blurry Photos. Thanks again, David. Take care, everyone, and I'll talk to you soon. 
The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Paranormal Sun are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoint or the position of JT, the Paranormal Sun, or Tower Studios New Zealand. The, the thing that I always loved about blurry photos and most of the other ones I'm interested in, it's I've got no problem with people saying, this is my opinion, this is what I think happened about anything. It's just those people who stand on the soapbox and go, well, I know this is the case. Let's, and honestly, if you've got the mysteries of the universe in your back pocket, um, why aren't you using it for something better than just telling everyone you know all the answers? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way about people that comment uh, or leave reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I hear you there. I've been really lucky because I'm I'm a small show and I'm based in New Zealand. I'm from the U.S. So, so far I've flown under the radar, but I, I have had some people, especially early on on social media, they just go straight after you about giants and other things. And at first, <laughs> yeah, at, at first, it, it's not that I couldn't handle it. It's just I, I'm the type of person where... I I don't picture the troll in my mind. I, I picture someone who's actually wants to have a conversation about things. And I very quickly learned to just like ignore it and move on. It's they're they're entitled to their opinion, but they're fishing for a fight and all I'm yeah. doing by, by giving them that fight is wearing myself out, so it's it's the truth. And you you know, it's funny you mentioned <laughs> giants because I had someone um write a very nasty comment uh on one of my Facebook posts, I think, on one episode talking about um how we didn't know what we were talking about and um we we should learn how to do research and blah 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 and the giants did this and that and the smithsonian is in on it blah blah and i'm like i'm sitting there looking at this and i just start laughing because we never covered the giants in america on our show (laughs) right and i wrote back to him i was like dude um what are you Please, please direct me to the episode you're talking about, because we've never talked about that. And like a day later, he comes back and he's like, hey, man, I apologize. I meant for I meant this for Hysteria 51. (laughs) And I had just I had just put out an episode with them on my show doing the hollow moon. And I think he just saw saw that and was like, here we go. Troll time. Yep. Yep. Rubbed his hands together and got all excited. Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, probably had to change pants afterwards. I mean, I don't know what these people do. Like. Uh, but, but man, I'll tell you, it, it is so true, and I've heard it from so many other podcasters over time. Um, so I'll give you a real brief background about how I found Blurry Photos. Um, sure. So originally, like I say, I'm, I'm from the U.S., and, and we kind of lived all over. And I lived in Illinois, went to high school there, actually, but uh, mid-state, so I wasn't up in Chicagoland. Mm. I lost my mom in 2016, and mm. it was really hard for me because she was like two parents in one. You know, she taught me to yeah. hunt and fish and all that kind of stuff. So we were really close. Also, I couldn't make it back to the U.S. before she passed away. So I was just, it, it wasn't like um, let's let's go and do anything rash. It was just much more that kind of melancholy feeling. And one of the things that really got me through was uh, three podcasts, uh, definitely blurry photos. Uh, a couple of guys from Texas uh, who do Expanded Perspectives yep. and uh, Astonishing Legends. And taking my mind away from that and being able to enjoy it, and especially at that time when, when you guys were doing the much more kind of humorous spin on things, it actually it allowed me to have a good laugh and just kind of take my mind out of things for an hour, hour and a half at a time. And so it was awesome. Well, mm. 
in, anyway, I mean, like, so like I say, basically since 2015 or 16, um, I've, I've been following the show and, a sto- uh, sorry, um, expanded perspectives. Um, he said on there one day, I'll never forget it. And man, it, it, it's rang so true. Uh, one of the hosts on there said, he goes, if you're ever feeling sure about yourself, he goes, go and read your social media comments he goes, and it'll bring you back down to earth real quick. <laughs> And, uh, and the way he said it, man, like only, only as I've done the show, have I been able to go back and go, that is, Truly yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, oh man. That's funny. Well, I'm, I'm glad we, uh, we helped out in there. And that's, oh, yeah. that's great to hear. Um, I, I do miss doing the, the funny stuff, um, with Dave. Uh, but yeah, he, he had, um, he just had to move on with his yeah. life. I think yeah. he was at that point. Um, he was over 40 i think by that point was okay. like i i want a wife and kids and yeah you know and so he he got up and got out of here now he, he does he's got a wife and a kid <laughs> awesome no no look awesome and i'm again i'm really fortunate um i'm just i turned 43 in october but we don't have kids it's just me and my partner and my dachshund which is the <laughs> quote-unquote son and sure. um so I mean, all I'm saying is I've I've got the luxury of having that time and being able to do what I wanted to. And before I I started in May, and before that, like even when I lost my job, I I never thought I'd be going down this path. To to tell mm. you the truth, and it's amazing how you look back at things and you go, well, that's pretty awesome that I just kind of rolled the dice and did it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's the double-edged sword. And again, I'm preaching to the choir, man. You've got much more experience than me. But being that solo podcaster, I mean, the the one, the beauty of it is that you only have to re- rely on yourself. But the negative of it yeah. is you'll only have to rely on yourself. So. You, you've got to meet your own deadlines. That's yeah. my problem. Yeah, yeah man. Um, I'm, I'm a very lenient manager. Yeah, yeah, well. It's, it's awful. <laughs> well, when you're trying to do a day job as well, um honestly i i i've mentioned it several times on the program because i i try not to bore people with the tedium of day-to-day life but i I just try and be upfront and i tell them look sooner or later i'm gonna have to go back to work i mean i'm not um (laughs) i'm not bill gates here Mm -hmm. Uh, sooner or later unless the podcast uh provides and and i don't expect that don't get me wrong but it's it's just yeah folks sooner or later i'm not going to be able to do weekly two three hour shows or whatever it is and and again, like you say, depending on the subject matter and everything else, and there are just days, I think it's just human nature. We wake up and we just don't want to do it. We don't, you know, whatever it is, we just need yeah. a break. So I've, I've started being much more um, lenient with myself and just saying, look, just be upfront. Tell people this is going to be a day or two late. I usually release on Wednesday here, which is Tuesday morning in the U.S., and like this last episode I was working on, I just came out. I just did like a minute recording, threw it out there and said, look, folks, sorry, it's just going to be a little bit later, but I'd rather give you something polished than just rolling the old turd down the hill and going, here you go. Here's some something I recorded and um, have have a nice uh, three week break. Well, I'm off doing other things. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's that. And it's good. And, you know, keep keep up with it as, as long as you can, as long as it makes you happy. I think if it starts being a chore. And then maybe maybe look yeah. for a, a break. Yeah. It well the the main thing is like you say it's just all those other little things like editing some of these interviews that I've got in the can and I'm I'm an audiophile. I I don't know why. I guess it's just if I'm putting something out there I want it to 
it doesn't have to be A plus plus, but it's it's if I can't it's listen be to it, A's. yeah, man, yeah. exactly. And and if you're gonna do it, do it right. That's my right. feeling. So many people I know, I've gone on and I've interviewed with them, and and they'll just throw it out there like completely unedited, and yep. it's their show. <laughs> you're wrong, but sure. Like, but it's like, man, and those I, are the people that you know. They might seem like, oh, uh, there's not not much to podcasting. It's super yeah. easy. You just <laughs> turn it on, press record, and then post it. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> are you really going to retain an audience? Uh, you know, with all the farts and burps and stuff that are in there, and ins and hums and haws and uh, uh, well, well, you know, yeah. Oh, I, well, look, I I fully agree, and. I'm really fortunate. I've got a friend who's been in radio on and off for 20 years. We went to school together. And ironically, as I started on this journey, I, I had him on Facebook. And he's been a bit of a mentor. I Look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite the, uh, the IT um, Neanderthal, but I'm probably a Cro-Magnus. So um, everything's been self-taught, man. Things like yeah. the, the, the first, I think it was the first four or five episodes, everything, Dave, was one shot. If I screwed up, I started over because I didn't know how to oh, wow. edit anything. I was just recording on an iPhone, and to try and sit there for an hour at a time and never make a like a fairly serious flub or completely nice. screw up something. Oh yeah, it it got to be yeah, wow. really stressful. <laughs> but but even it, like even like Broadway actors, you know, will oh. we'll screw something up and have to have to improvise or figure something out. So yeah, that's that's a tall ask. Yeah, and, and and now it's it's just to me it's it's amazing because like I say I went from that and again I'm I'm not going to be a you know I'm not going to be a producer on uh, Joe Rogan but uh, I do I just use WavePad so I I paid to use WavePad because I could work it out it worked well for me and I've just recently worked out how to because I was going through and any kind of deep breaths or things I'd go through and edit and as as you know when you're doing two hours or so of audio that gets very tiring very quickly and i've just worked out the spectral sampling in the last kind of month and that's been awesome because i run that over a couple times and then again it doesn't need to be completely gone but i don't want people having to listen to <laughs> and totally yeah, unless i'm having good. that chesterfield you know that that nice <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i i keep keep that up too because i think that you know if if there's anything that sets shows apart it's that attention to detail in my opinion so the fact that you're uh cognizant of it i think will you know take you a long way in that so good good on you for that yeah and uh it's it, it's been amazing I've, I've just recently i mean even before i'd asked you to come on the show but I'd started getting around to catching up with, uh, you know, blurry photos and, and what's kind of gone on. And the whole thing about shadows in the desert, man, that was when I read about when I first read about it and I heard about it. Um, I think you might have actually been on another show and I heard it and I went, that's awesome. Because, um, I mean, that whole area has always been one of those things on my to do list to know more about, to cover. Uh, obviously, oh. the, the, the ship in the desert being the kind of biggest thing but everything from the uh what was it like the nine foot tall uh skeleton, skeleton with a light yeah. in his chest. Yeah. and uh yeah. yeah so so when i heard about that man i went oh that's awesome uh if if i was still in southern california um i lived in san diego area for eight years before i moved here wow. um yeah man i'd i'd be out i'd be so out there in the familiar. desert familiar yeah you're yeah familiar with that uh did you ever go out to um well did you ever make it out to like borrego springs or 
in that area or oh man um Tem- temecula at least <laughs> uh, so so fun, funny story actually my ex lived in temecula and um when i first moved to southern california temecula had 4000 people jeez <laughs> oh, and now it's obviously massive i i have a very close friend we worked together in the supermarket there, and you know we were like, he's one of those people. He's like a lifelong friend. Um, I always keep up with him, and we got to talking a few months ago about different places I used to eat in Temecula because he lives in French Valley now, and I went on Google Maps to just kind of see because in your mind you're like, oh, I know it was on this street, but I don't know the name. So I started looking on Google Maps, and I'm like, whoa, what is all of this? Like, it's so massive, you know, compared to when I was there last. It's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crazy how quickly everything crops up, but no, um unfortunately at that time in my life, man, I was literally just living paycheck to paycheck. I was kind of in my early twenties and I, I hadn't went to college for anything. I was working in the supermarket and in the food industry and contrary to popular belief, um very few people become millionaires in the food industry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And so I uh, all I'm yeah I didn't get a chance to do nearly like in hindsight man I I've kicked myself so many times since I've started this program going oh I wish I would have went here I wish I would have went there but I did have some pretty cool things I um I lived in a boarding house that was definitely haunted now when I say haunted again I I'm very open minded about these things some people say spirits some people say ghosts whatever it but all I know is there were you definitely had feelings that you weren't alone there um, in that house. And it was an old wooden structure and it was built in the mid 1800s. I also got, I don't know if you've ever heard of it because it is a very localized thing, but there's an area out there called Elfin Valley um, or Elfin Forest. And it's a really odd place. It's uh, it's kind of, it was bookended by the fact at that time that you had like this really weird forest where there were stories that witches and kind of modern day druids and all kinds of things would go out there and do uh, kind of solstice rituals and all kinds of other things. And there was a commune out there in the 60s. There was also like a purportedly haunted graveyard out there. And then there was also like a kind of abandoned um, residential con- complex out there with all these homes that were built and streets and that put in and no one lived there so it, it was a pretty freaky area and one of my oh. friends lived very close by yeah and it's it's dave i've got uh like i use trello to track show topics and man i'll have two or three hundred topics just on kind of file cards in the background to eventually oh. get to and it, it it's it's just yeah because i started out writing them down and then i thought no man this, this isn't gonna work so I learned about Trello through work, and it's just basically like a um, an online file card system where you can move things between columns and that, and you can update them. And that's really worked well for me because at any instance, if if somebody got a hold of me and said, oh, have you heard of this? And it didn't ring a bell because like UFO cases, for example, we know there's hundreds. I can just go to my UFO tabs and go through there and go, oh, yeah, it's, it's on the list. I'll move it forward because you've asked about it. I'll cover it sooner than I would have before. But uh, but yeah, Southern California, man, um, there's definitely so many amazing things there that, uh, again, like I say, I just wish like the Queen Mary, obviously, and mm-hmm. all of the different cemeteries. But that Borrego Springs and also Death Valley, there's mm-hmm. just something about those areas, man, that's uh, I can't quite put my finger on it. But um, I don't know what you'd say. Uh, you get the you, you get those kind of hoodoo feelings when 
You're in and sure. around those areas. Yeah, and Derek, um, Derek's familiar with Joshua Tree too, and he okay. says it, it gives off the same vibes. Mm. So, um, we were thinking of, of including Joshua Tree in the the Triangle area, but at that point, it was about the size of like I don't know Iowa, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> the triangle needed to like even even the one we ended up with is real big and um uh we still you know on on the fringes of this area we we've called the triangle there's still a ton of activity and Joshua Trees and 29 Palms is just yeah. outside of that purvey too and that's where one of the you know Borrego Sandman sightings was even and the Riverside Monster Fontana Speedway there's all kinds of stuff that's just outside but we were like let's we gotta focus this a little bit or yeah. we're you know this is just gonna be a massive chit show kind of yeah thing. yeah <laughs> and and oh, look I, I fully agree um obviously i've not done a, or, or attempted to do a documentary film but even on the on my episodes that's why i pretty much i'll do a new segment um on most shows not always but i'll do a new segment and then it's one topic because uh, as much as I may say to myself, oh, you'll never find an hour plus on that. I always do, man. At, at the end of the day, yeah. I always find enough. And and that's exactly why, because I, I did um, I did uh, three shows on Illinois for Halloween. So I did like a medley of things that have gone on all over the state of Illinois. Um, I think in total, I did something like 26 different things everything from graveyards to uh, the Wolfman of Chestnut Mountain to Big Muddy and all of those sorts of things. And as I was doing it, though, man, it, it was like I had a list and it's just like, oh, wait, uh, I just found out about this one. <laughs> I just found out about this one. Uh, I've got uh, I had to go and get an adapter to feed the Ethernet cable straight into the laptop. Um, whereabouts in New Zealand are you? So I'm in Auckland, which is a third of the country lives here. It's the one. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the one really big city that we have. Uh, we have other quote unquote cities, but I mean, even even Auckland, man, it's like we're one point three million, which is nothing in comparison to like when I lived in San Diego. I think we had like five or six million in the county. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we um, and and I don't know if you had heard or not, or if I've said it on the podcast, but uh, my wife and I honeymooned in New Zealand. Wow. And um, so yeah, we are. We're, I'd like to say we're pretty familiar for yeah. Americans, um, oh, yeah. but we stayed, uh, yeah, we stayed in Auckland for a few days and went to um, one of the islands out there with the right. wineries and stuff. And Waiheke Island, yeah. That's the one, yep. yeah. And um, what else did we do? Um, went to, uh, is it Piha Beach? Yep, yep. So that's on the West Coast, yep, Piha. Yeah. It's so got black sand, right? It, I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's gorgeous. The whole thing, everything we did was amazing. Like we we literally did like a t a whirlwind tour in two weeks, <laughs> starting in Auckland, and then we went down to um to where the Hobbit uh, stuff is, right. and then we went Matamata. down to Rotorua, yep. yeah, and uh, Tongariro. We did the yep. we did the pass. Um, went down to Wellington, and then across and over to Greymouth, and yep. um down into uh, Mil uh milford sound yep. dunedin all yeah. that stuff like we did awesome. it all man it awesome, was awesome <laughs> it's so great now there, there are lots of things on your list that uh, i haven't got the chance to do yet but again i'm i'm here and i i will definitely <laughs> i will definitely get there 
But uh, yeah, man, South Island, like people who haven't been here, they just don't realize how different North Island and South Island are. And, it really is. Yeah. yeah. And, and South Island, especially in the Southern Alps, it reminds me of where I'm originally from, which is in, I'm from Northern Idaho. So mountains yeah. and forests and, you know, pine forests and, and mountain lakes and lots of snow, uh, unfortunately. But uh, it, it's the one, it's uh, down there. And then also up here in North Island in a a, a place called uh, Coromandel, um, there's uh, there's a like pine forests and mountain streams and that. And those are the two places I've been in the country that I literally feel like I'm quote unquote home. And yeah. I, I haven't been back to the Northwest for 30 years. So it's it's pretty cool to have such a diverse country. I think I read one of those kind of like unbelievable facts that we're the only country in the world that has every climate from sub-Antarctic to uh, like uh, desert, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. No, look, man, that is, it's it's awesome that you've been here. We're on the southern fringe, so as you would have driven out of Auckland to go to Matamata and gone mm-hmm. south, we're we're like on the very southern fringe of the city. In the old days, uh, when I say old days, like 15 years ago, we had like eight different cities and they kind of banded them all together and said, oh, look, it's going to be great if we band you all together and we'll have one tax fund and everything else. And of course, it's they found out they spent like eight hundred million dollars more than they would have if they would have left it be. But oh, wow. <laughs> that's that that's how it is. But yeah, so <laughs> so basically, it's it's quote it, it's like Chicago land. You know, it would be like yeah. living maybe in say Gary and yeah. people overseas. You'd say, well, I'm in I'm in Chicago. Oh yeah, I know where Chicago is. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it, look, it's we're just like any country, and you know, like you say, you've been here. We've got our problems. Um, it's it's not paradise but look i've enjoyed it i'm definitely really happy it's just one of those things that i just basically packed a suitcase and a thousand dollars that's all i had wow <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I i rolled the dice and i said oh well if if things don't work out i can go home and well, i, I haven't you. so yeah it's that's awesome great. yeah it, i ugh, i i mean do you know having hindsight you know that would have been a that would have been <laughs> a great thing to try for me to i think <laughs> well that, get out of the U.S. anyway. <laughs> well, what what happened with us, David, was, um, uh, as I said, I was working in the supermarket, and it was um, Albertsons at the time um, were like number two in the North America size-wise behind Kroger's. When I worked there, man, um, I would have been able to retire at 53 with a full pension and medical and everything else. And wow. then we had this massive five-month strike because as billionaires are want to do, they really didn't want to pay for health care. So they basically said, well, we'll bleed you out before you'll bleed us out. At the end of it, if uh, in anyone who was like promoted or hired, it was all second tier and they were basically going to butcher everything. And so I really didn't have a whole lot to lose. I did. It's not like I owned a home or anything. And I'd been yeah. talking to my partner here for a while. And so I just said, well, the hell with it. I'll just roll the dice. Uh, like I said, I didn't have anything really cementing me there. Yeah. Like, like I say, it's, it's just like anything. It's it's not perfect, but it's I've really enjoyed my life here. In a parallel universe where I stayed in the U.S., I'm sure I would have enjoyed time with my friends and everything else. But uh, from a self-satisfaction kind of happiness on my life journey, I don't think I could have had it any better than I have. Yeah, that's great. Oh man, I I mean, we were so sad to leave, and we're like <laughs> we're we're like counting the days till we can yeah. go back. But I mean, it's you know how it is. It's uh, it's not a yeah. cheap 
yeah. trip, but um, we uh, we definitely had just a blast. And um, well, the funny thing is, and you were talking about the difference between the islands, um, I got the worst allergies on the North Island. <laughs> and Me we too, went over man. to the... Yeah? Did yeah. you really? I We went over to the South Island, and I was free and clear. It's wild. I didn't have to use the allergy medicine that uh, that I picked up or anything. So there's something on that North Island that I'm allergic to. <laughs> uh, it's look, it's 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 not just you. When I first got here, I mean, I I just basically went to work and you know I did whatever I could to pay the bills. I mean, it, like stuff that I've got a hard head, but I'm not a massive guy. You know, I'm only like five foot eight, and um, I was doing things like stacking uh, seventy pound bins of fish like six high like over my head by myself <laughs> to to be because it was a job man and, and it was paying the bills but it got so bad at work that here they call it hay fever you know seasonal allergies oh, yeah. and yeah. i i literally my eyes and my nose looked like you just turned on the water faucet it was just dripping constantly and and they said look um we know it's not like it's not like you're getting mucus all over or anything but you've got to get this sorted out because you know you just like you, your eyes you, you look like you've been out back smoking the bong and we can tell you're suffering you know you, you, you need to go and get this sorted out and uh, it was probably over a year when I got here man it was just like constant and I went to the doctor I tried everything from Claritin to anything they'd give me they just kept putting me yeah. on different pills and they finally put me on this spray and I said no I don't want to spray I've tried like five and they don't work and he said, oh, just try it. And I'm glad I did. It's a steroid called uh, Butacort. It's not perfect, but oh, it's night and day over what it was. And as well, I mean, I've been here in years. So I'm sure I've acclimatized. But you're, look, you're not the only one. And the other thing I found out very early, I woke up one morning with like chest pains. And I literally thought, you know, I'm, I'm a bit young to be having a heart attack, but you never know. And yeah. we, we went into the, uh, the emergency room and... The lady said to me, do you have asthma? And I said, yeah, but I, I haven't really since I was a teenager. I kind of grew out of it. And she goes to me, welcome to the asthma capital of the world. <laughs> it, it's exactly it. She said, because it's cold, damp, and moldy here. So many people end up with asthma or like me, you know, that didn't have it when they were, haven't had it for years. They'll end up, it'll come back. So yeah, <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. yeah, well, I I didn't either, and um, and at that time I wasn't a citizen or anything, and I was really lucky because she said to me, "Are you a citizen?" And I said, "No." She goes, "Okay, a thousand dollar bill," and she said, uh, you, "She goes, so just get out of here and go and see your doctor when they open, like you know, you like your GP." And yeah, yeah I'll I'll never forget that because uh, here you know in the U.S. they'd probably be sizing you up with handcuffs to make sure you paid, and you know she. <laughs> She just said to me, um, yeah, uh, off you go. That was the first thing here, really, that was kind of a culture shock to me was um, I, I had like a sinus infection. And when I got the bill, it was like $10 to see the doctor. And my prescriptions for like three prescriptions was like nine bucks, man. And I'm just going, uh, what bizarro planet am I on that yeah, for 20 bucks I'm going to get change for actually seeing the doctor <laughs> and actually getting medicine rather than trying to work through it like everyone in the U.S. had to do. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and, and like I say, man, we've, we've, got our, uh, we've got our challenges here, but it's the whole thing of the defense budget. You know, we don't spend half yeah. of our GDP on defense, so <laughs> we've got a little bit more to go around, I guess. Isn't that awful? 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised that any of it actually goes to defense up here. I mean, you, you <laughs> saw last week there wasn't much defending that was happening. So, oh yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, uh, definitely, and it's it's one of the things I actually covered over on. So I did. Um, I, I was kind of beating my head against a rock, going, "What am I going to do for New Year's for the show?" And then I said, uh, "Hey, man, if somebody's got a great idea, you just you just rip them off." So I did the uh, I did the old Art Bell predictions show, and I had a couple. Uh, I had a, a blue ribbon panel of <laughs> the the two people that I could rope into coming on the show, and uh, and and great people. One of them is like uh, she's kind of like a, a tarot reader, music teacher. She's 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 really good. She's not what I thought when I kind of went down the path of let's look into tarot, let's do a reading on the show and that mm-hmm. uh, as with so many things in life, even when you try not to, you stereotype it in your mind. And I was picturing like 1960s flower child, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, somebody who was going to be trying to sell me LSD and <laughs> and couldn't be further from from that. And yeah. so she came on the show and uh, uh, my friend's podcast one of his co-hosts came on, and that was one of the things that I actually discussed. There's a guy in Norway, uh, and I always thought he was like a uh, prognosticator, for lack of a better term. But no, he's more like a guy who looks at um, economies and money and everything else to kind of make his quote-unquote predictions. And he predicted in the 90s, he said, look, uh, the USSR is going to fall, but the US will eventually as well. And he said that basically... Uh, and and when he said fall, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, everything burns down and you start over. But he meant that right. it's not sustainable to spend half of your GDP on defense. And that's basically what, once the USSR got to that point, it's I think it was eight or nine months later when it imploded. And that's that's his famous prediction about it. So I'll stay positive and hope that if that is the case, obviously, it's as painless as it can be, because um, I still love my country. I love the people in it, and there's so many great people. It's the last thing I want to see. But yeah, yeah. It, it was a bit disheartening. Actually, I woke up in the afternoon here, and I had like all these texts and messages asking me what I thought about what was going on. I was like, what are you talking about? And I had to go on cable and go on to CNN and, and uh, Fox and all of it and catch up on what the hell was going on because I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, man, it, yeah. Was, it was pretty surreal. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> You see a guy with bullhorns in um, in the Capitol building, and you're going. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've never seen this in my lifetime. And yeah, and and now that idiot is a like a idol for some people yeah. out there. It's, yeah, it's it's amazing. It is amazing how how quickly it all unravels. You know, you think everything's kind of set up and strong and put together, and you know, well, this can't happen here. Blah blah blah. And then like four years, I was all it takes to kind of. <laughs> unraveling not even that really like i would say one year tops if that was all it took to well it's a different podcast i guess (laughs) (laughs) no 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 look um uh, fair enough and i should have given you a bit more of a background about the program so basically the way that i present is i don't specifically discuss politics simply because it's such a divisive topic as we know um yeah Sometimes conversations lead into it, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, I just mean, like, you'll never see me release an episode of The Paranormal Sun where it's like 2024 election, and let's talk about that. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it on the fringes, and again, with guests, if we go down that path, that's fine. It's just uh, religion and politics, that's why I, I try. I, I mean, what we talk about is already, <laughs> as we've already said, it's already divisive enough where people are laughing at us and, you know, calling us uh, insane and everything else that. 
<laughs> uh, but but again, it's 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 nothing that I don't mind talking about. It's just that I know a lot of people look to programs like this and as to an blurry escape. photos as an escape. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Ironically, that's it. I actually started out with a podcast called The Fortunate Son. That's where the paranormal son ties in, and it was just going to be like everything but the kitchen sink. And within about two episodes, man, I just worked out. I'm like. So I've got kind of this like everything that we go through in life and kind of our journey, everything from politics and, and cooking and just everything, mental health. And then I've got this other thing that I don't know what to do with, but it's been a lifelong interest of mine, the kind of unexplained paranormal, all the kind of things that we cover. And, and I very quickly worked out it's like one or the other, it just needs to go into its own venue because it's just too big to try and hold it all together. So So that's why I spun this off and yeah i i haven't done an episode of the the uh fortunate son for a while and the reason is and i've explained it to people on air it's a lot of these new age terms i've had to learn in time it's because i just don't know them from everything i've worked out and what people have told me i'm basically an empath and even talking about things like that like when i talked about the uh the demonstrations and the protests in uh the summer in the u.s and all of that, I I would record an episode, and and man, David, I'd get off the air, and I'd just feel drained like a battery. I just mm -hmm. so much emotion into it, and again, I wasn't on air telling people what to think or or what to believe. Right. I'd, I'd give them my two cents, but that that was why I just kind of shelved that show. And there and there's so many people that do kind of self help and all of that. I mean, if 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 people need me, they can always find me. But if they just need a message of, of positivity. They can find that all over the show. And uh, with The Paranormal Sun, it's just it's something that I enjoy much more because, again, it's there's not so much emotion attached to it. And I can actually write a script about what I'm going to cover. Like uh, the one that I'm working on now that I'll release uh, later on tonight is about the Coral Castle. So, oh, nice. Yeah, and, and, and that's it. So you can script that. You can go through it. It's easy to go back and, like you say, if I flubbed up, it's like, okay, just go back 30 seconds and start over. Whereas if you're off on this deep tangent and then you go, where was I again? <laughs> yeah, you just got to kind of pull yourself back to the center. Yeah, yeah. No, for real. It's it's uh, it's fun, but like you said earlier, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> it oh, uh, can, can cut both ways. Oh, yeah, man. And, and, and as I've aged, I've found out that's pretty much everything in life versus yeah. um when we when we all i mean it's like most of us when we grow up and we have influences from our parents and uh, education system or lack thereof that is now in the u.s unfortunately and religion and everything else and so we tend to form this very black and white kind of viewpoint of life and mm. as we grow we learn that well hang on and uh one of the way that i've always described it to people it's like Okay, I've I'm a quarter Irish, and I've definitely got that Irish temper, and I've I've worked to over the years to uh, to keep it at bay. But the thing is, if I didn't have that, I also wouldn't have the passion that I have for some of the things that I do, like cooking, like the subject matter I cover on the show, because that that is what gives me that passion to get so excited about things, and yeah. and like you say, that's why I've just learned any more. When people say to me, what do you think about this or that? I'll say to them, as with so many things, it's double-edged or multifaceted. I'm happy to tell you how I feel, but just realize there's always multiple stories or multiple sides to any story. And mm -hmm. 
and that's why on the program that's that's what I do is I basically I will go through uh let's just take Coral Castle. I'll go through what I found, I'll give some of the theories about how it was built and everything else. If somebody's just being like way out there, like if somebody comes out there and does just like you were saying about the Rod Serling, so the Coral Castle has a a, a telescope in it, therefore aliens. If somebody yeah. comes out and says something like that, I may poke fun at them or say, come on, folks, there are other explanations without that. But generally, it's very much, here's what's out there, and the final decision is up to you as the listener. And again, I will steer things from time to time, but I do my best not to just pigeonhole it and go this is what it was because i say so and i am the authority on everything <laughs> end of <Yeah>. story <laughs> right. i mean it's so many shows do that too and i the as 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 you learn the more you do it and the more stories you hear and read about i i would hope the more you you learn that everything is great yep. just yep. nothing is black and white at all everything's great and so that's why yeah you you, like i try to get to the bottom of things i try to you know if it if it needs debunking yeah and it can be i'll do it but if there's any kind of reason for it to to suspect that something isn't um lining up or if the science doesn't explain this or that that's a that's a door that's open you know that yeah we don't know everything so of course it's like 99 percent could be um, sure about something, but then there's always the one percent that that uh, you don't know, and, and you don't know you don't know. So yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Like I, I I try to look for all the facts and try to figure out the science behind stuff. But um, if I think it makes uh, mysteries stronger when when it stands up to that scrutiny and you still have tried all the angles you know of and and it can't be proven or you can't find what's going on. So. I think it's a it's more of a test of these subjects than than just like hating on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I say it on the show all the time. I mean, to me, I have got there's there's room on the show, there's room in my social media, and there's room in my personal life for skeptics. I've got no problem with that. I I am not the guy who says to myself it has to be this because that's what I think, and it'd be really cool if it is. But debunkers, as you say. That's where I draw the line. If it's just, I'm going to prove it wrong no matter what, simply because I want to. Uh, a perfect example is, I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh, Boy and I uh, PNG case or the Father Gill case in uh, New Guinea in, I think, 1959? I don't think so. So I covered that one over not too long ago. And, I mean, it had all of the, the stars of the... Um, UFO debunking uh, field out there taking shots at it. So it had um, uh, Philip Class and um, who's the other one? Um, Manziel, I think. Um, that might not be his name. But anyway, I, I mean, it basically came down to Father Gill had uh, astigmatism in his eye. Therefore, he was not wearing his glasses. And it was his eyelashes that he saw. It was not a platform with people on it, even though there were like 50 witnesses. And number one, everybody said he was wearing his glasses. And number two, it's like, so all of the other 49 people had that same stigmatism and weren't wearing their glasses on the the nights in question because it happened over multiple nights. <laughs> and, and, and again, look, man, I, I don't go out there and say this definitely 
is the case. Unless it's like there are instances, and, and I've covered some things before that have been proven wrong, like UFO cases with a more mundane explanation, things like that. I've got no problem with it. And I've always said if, if someone presents me proof and I sit down and uh, it's rational and I can understand it, I'm always open to changing my mind. Uh, no no mm -hmm. problem with that. And again, I'm not the guy that comes out and says every every iPhone footage of a UFO proves that aliens exist. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but I do definitely feel that there's a middle ground. And that's what I try to do, because the whole premise really to me about my program was there's so many of these awesome cases, like I said, that um, I read about. I mean, I was a I was one of those sickly bookworm children, and we we grew up in the country. Uh, I didn't. I I had some friends, but I mean, everybody was like your closest friends were like 15 miles away, man. So it was like you might get to catch up with them once every few months outside of school. And for whatever reason, we had this really eclectic little library in our uh, kind of uh, double wide trailer with kind of built on add ons. And now I look back at it, man, and it's it's so freaking amazing that we, because some of these books you can't find now or they're hugely expensive. I mean, things like uh, uh, Edwards's Frank Edwards book, um, Flying Saucers Are Real, and some of these other books that are really rare or like I say, you, you just can't find them. And so I got a, I don't know where we got them. I don't know why we had them, but we just had like all these paperback books on a lot of these subjects. And it really kind of got me interested. And then started going to the library and trying to learn more. And then, of course, most people our age, you know, Unsolved Mysteries comes on and that kind of just breaks everything open because mm -hmm. you, you want to know more about a lot of these cases. In fact, I think that was the first time I heard about Coral Castle was on Unsolved Mysteries. And mm. and so that's really, to me, that's what I try to do on the show. It's like, hey, look, Roswell's cool and Kecksburg's cool and all of that. Don't get me wrong. And I find them really interesting. But there are so many people who have done such better job covering those things than me. It's like, well, what about, the, for example, what about the Farmington Armada? Have you guys heard of that? And then people, oh, no, never heard of that. And, and what about the uh, Maurice Moss case in France? What about the Father Gill case? And so I try to have a good mix. I mean, I do cover some yeah. more famous cases. But, yeah, I definitely try to have some of those uh, things that I also have a bit of fun with, like uh, the purported lost city in the Grand Canyon. Again, now, if you believe what some people believe, it's like it's all that Smithsonian cons conspiracy that it was covered up and and moved and, and everything else. Obviously, I don't know. I wasn't there, but I just find the story in and of itself fascinating in the same way I find the lost ship in the in the desert fascinating, whether it is or isn't or whatever the explanation may be. The simple fact of that story, uh, I just find it uh, astonishing that someone just out of their blue in, in 1850 or whenever it was just kind of said, well, I'm just going to make up this story about a Viking ship in the desert. You know, it's like, I'm going to sell lots of novels. Oh, and by the way, the novel was never written. So, <laughs> yeah. And again, like I've said to so many people, and I say it on the show all the time, by no means am I saying everything is real or it's 100% true, but in almost every myth and legend, there's a grain of truth. Yeah, you can. Uh, it, it's always good to talk about it and not dismiss things out of hand. Uh, that's that goes back to that gray stuff I was talking about. You know, it's just <laughs> yep. don't live your life thinking it's either this or that. Like, it it's just a stupid way to live, and <laughs> a lot of that's why you know why a lot of the world is uh, kind of on fire socially right now. So 
Ugh. Yeah, and t- uh, unfortunately, Dave, I wish I could say, oh, this is a U.S. problem, but man, it, it it's not. <laughs> Even here in New Zealand, when I first got here, generally, like, one of the coolest things to me when I got here was at work. Uh, for example, early on, I worked with a guy from Jordan. And as much as we talk about the U.S. being a massive melting pot, and it is, New Zealand is like, it's amazing, man. I've met people from places like Nepal and Bhutan and Mongolia and places where you never thought you, you're just going to meet some random person from. Well, this guy from Jordan, I, I started asking him about kind of Ramadan and beliefs and that, fully expecting him to really get kind of pissed off about it and go, well, why do you want to know? But he didn't. He was just completely open. Yeah, no problem. You want to know, I'll tell you. And it was that way with almost everyone. But over time, uh, that very much that no matter what the country is, that left-right divide, whereas in the past it used to be you might have kind of, say, 20% to one extreme and 20% to another, and kind of 50 to 60% kind of in the middle. Now it's like very much become that you choose a side. You know, everybody's basically saying, you have to choose a side. Hang on. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't have to choose a side, man. It's, It's my life. Thank you very much. And I can rationally sit in the middle and say, well, you're both wrong about certain things. And you may be both wrong about certain things, but I don't have to choose a side. <laughs> so, right. um, it, it, and I used to get really upset about that stuff. And, and don't get me wrong. Uh, when, when I see, when I see cities in flames and when I see the Capitol building stormed, I do get upset. But more what I actually feel now is, is actually pity because most of these people, when you tell people, no matter who it is, that if this person or if this group gets in power, your life as you know it and, and the life that you've known is, is going to be gone, how do you expect them to react? And uh, I, I get that people should use some critical thinking, but it's that whole, it's just like the old war drums, you know, you, you, you key on people's emotions, you stir up that emotion and you tell them half-truths and then you turn them loose. And unfortunately, this is what we get. I mean, it's a uh, tale as old as time, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's it's really funny you say that because somebody said something to me the other day about uh, something to do with politics, and I said, "Oh yeah, so uh, like like the Romans," and they said, "Oh, what do you mean?" I said, "Yeah, well, <laughs> the Romans, the Romans, they may not have come up with it, but they were definitely the first ones to document." whatever it was, and then they said, oh, no, 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 this this so-and-so said this the other day, and then they came back to me a few days later. Uh, I did some research, and uh, you were right. I'm sorry. Oh, so, wow. Well, no, Usually look, they yeah. don't get that far, right? <laughs> Usually yeah. they don't they don't go and look it up themselves. <laughs> they just believe whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and as we all know now, unfortunately, if it, you don't even have to believe it, what you want, because you can find somebody on the Internet that will yeah. tell you you're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah um uh and when we were in high school i remember I, I had a very close friend who's still in illinois actually he's he's in a little little one of those uh tiny towns and he's we used to joke about it in the 90s kind of joking about how the government was getting militarized and everything else and it was a bit of a fourth reich thing and, and joking about it you know not really thinking that we would continue to go down this path in future and i remember reading 1984 in school and thinking well this is pretty far out this this isn't gonna happen uh <laughs> and animal farm and yeah. not only have they all happened but now it's gone from curriculum taught in school to 
well, we don't need you reading about that. So we're just going to remove it from uh, the libraries in school. So if you want to find it, yeah, good luck. Find it after you get out of school. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's I, I've said this before, but it's that old saying that's attributed co to Confucius, which is may you live in interesting times. And uh, <laughs> we, we are definitely living in interesting times. Spe speaking of which, uh, for yourself, just on a personal level, how's COVID and everything that's going on, has it impacted you? I've got some other listeners and uh, some other people I know in Chicago, and hopefully you've been able to <laughs> have as as close to a semblance of a life as you can in, uh, in, in the case that it is. But has it really caused you a lot of headaches personally, Dave? Or Personally, no. Um, it's actually... There's not a lot of difference for me anyways, because I was, you know, doing this working from home anyway. And um, my wife has been able, luckily, to work from home. So the only real change is that she's spending more time here. And it, to be to be honest, it's been really nice just because I'm an introvert. And me too. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've enjoyed not having social obligations to go out all yeah. the time for. Um, we get, uh, you know, take out, we um, wear masks, we spray our hands with uh, um, disinfectant, you know, and we carry it in the car, we come home, we wash our hands. We try we try to do everything. I only, you know, go out when we really need to. Yeah. Um, and so, like, in, in the grand scheme of things, not a lot has changed, except it maybe things have slowed down a little bit, and to me... It, just socially it's gotten a little better but that's because i personally enjoy spending time at home and <laughs> and so you know a lot of people aren't aren't handling it very well because they're very social and they want right. to go out and go to bars and go to restaurants and movies and stuff and i do miss you know going to see a movie every now and then but um uh most of the stuff is uh streaming now so uh, it's it's been nice. I've been I've actually been able to start a Twitch channel um, where I play video games and, and nice. that's that's been uh, a lot of fun and um and and it also lets me not feel so guilty playing video games when I should be <laughs> podcasting. But <Yeah. laughs> fair enough. Um, I mean, it's we're two males of about the same age, so it's not a massive shock. But that's me too, man. When I'm not, when I'm, I'm like you. I'm. I stay home a lot. Um, I don't mind going out now and then, but usually in the past, like here with the way that uh, everybody has uh, holidays and that, a lot of companies will kind of try and get you to take most of it in a block. So you might have three weeks off over Christmas. And in the past when I was working, man, over those three weeks, like once we had Christmas sorted and the shopping and the food, I might go out two times in that yeah. three weeks. So uh, I'm very similar. And um that's why I kind of had a bit of a chuckle when we locked down because we had a month where it was like locked down. You don't go anywhere except for grocery shopping and essential workers. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you're going to block me from the one time that month I might have went somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I hear you. And, and I'm very similar. It's so many people think that I'm this extrovert because they meet me and I'm very gregarious and I'm talkative. But the truth is that evolved as a as a defense mechanism of being that kind of shy kid was that if I meet someone and if I'm the first one to say hi and get out there, then I can kind of steer the narrative and 
in my mind anyway, it's okay because yeah. someone's yeah, someone's not assailing me. It's the opposite. And so so many people are shocked when I say, well, actually no, I'm I'm quite the introvert. I mean, my life honestly like uh, anything that I find on TV or you know, cable that has got to do with the subjects that I cover, if it looks interesting, I'll record it. I'll go back and watch it. And like you say, I do a lot of gaming. I'll do a lot of retro gaming. I've got that little SNES Mini that, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been able to upload all kinds of old things. Uh, I, I've always been a big RPG fan. And so uh, I'll go back and, and do stuff on there. And I've got the PS4. And I'll, just like you, honestly, there have been days where I'll be sitting there, I'll be doing something on the PS4, and I'll be going, I should really be out in the studio. And, and I go, oh, well, I'll, I'll do it in another two hours or another four hours. But that's awesome because uh, I also need to look at going and doing Twitch. It's, it's just one of the things that I've found so many. For example, TikTok um, is very, obviously, it's had a controversial history in the U.S. And very early on, I worked out that if I'm going to be in this realm, I don't need to worry about online privacy anyway because yeah everything's out there. So, um, but I started a TikTok channel because it's very big in New Zealand, and honestly, I thought, oh well, I'm not going to get that much play. And um, I did an episode on our most famous UFO case here, which was the Kaikoura lights, and I did an audiogram and I put it on there, and and I was shocked, Dave. I mean. Uh, I don't know what it's up to now, but the last time I checked, I had like 14,000 views of that audiogram and like comments and and everything else I did that wasn't New Zealand centric. I might have had like five or six hundred, whatever it was. It was just something viral about that. And obviously using the hashtag New Zealand would have helped. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. But see, that's something that in the past I would have written off and I would have said, no, TikTok's for dancing. I'm not going to do that. I don't know how many listeners it actually got me at the end of the day, but that's not what it's about to me. It's it's about getting these stories out there, at least getting people to ask themselves, uh, well, no, I'd never heard of this case. I'll, I'll look into it. And whether they do it through my show or someone else, so be it. But um, yeah, yeah uh, and, and Twitch is something else that I've heard a lot of people say, look, you should do a Twitch channel. It's, it's interesting that you say that. If I did a Twitch channel, like you say, then I can go on there and play video games as well. And, and not feel so guilty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What did you say the um what did you say the lights were? Oh, it's the Kaikoura lights. So it's K A I K O U R A. This case is really fascinating and the reason I say that is it's one of the best documented UFO cases in history as far as the quality of what was provided. So to give you a real quick uh, Cliff's notes version, in 1979 there was a plane that used to fly a mail route from North Island, from Wellington, down to Christchurch, and then back. And they take newspapers and, and, and mail. And these guys were flying this plane uh, over the Cook Strait, and they saw these strange lights. And for lack of a better term, it would be very similar to kind of the Foo Fighters in World War mm-hmm. II, basically glowing orbs. And mm-hmm. they saw it on radar, and they saw it um, with their eyes. And this was around the 21st or 22nd of December. And they landed, they reported it, and by the way, two pilots with like a total of 40,000 flying hours. It's, it wasn't like an 18-year-old with a Cessna. I mean, these are guys who have been in the sky for years. Well, they landed, and the story kind of went around. And there was a uh, newspaper writer that worked in Melbourne and Australia, and he was over here for 
that summer vacation, that month off, because he was from New Zealand. And his paper, you know, as they do, as as our bosses do, got a hold of him and said, "Hey, I know you're on vacation, but we we've heard about this uh, these guys seeing these strange lights in the sky, and we want you to get on a flight with them and basically reenact it." So he said, "Okay, well, look, I'll I'll try and round up uh, a sound engineer and some other bits and try and get a, a camera crew in that, and we'll do it." They decided to do it on New Year's Eve, going into New Year's Day, uh, overnight flight. So sure enough, Dave, they, they they got on this flight and started going through with the pilots what they saw and where they saw it, and I'll be damned if the lights didn't turn up. The lights <laughs> didn't turn up all those other days from like the 21st or 22nd up until this day because it was daily flight, and all of a sudden, while they're out there filming this, these lights turn up. So they had at least two sets of radar data. They had the plane radar and Wellington, and they may have also had uh, data out of Christchurch. They had uh, television camera footage quality recorded. They had two sets of audio, all of this done on board and, and just completely on a whim, like I say, because they were just basically going to recreate uh, what these guys had seen and kind of go with what they'd seen. And um, it was such a big thing here that the prime minister at the time basically said, he said, well, I want to know about this. And they said, oh, we don't investigate UFOs. And he goes, well, you're going <laughs> to because I want to know what the hell's going on. So uh, the New Zealand Defense Force, um, we're, you know, we're such a we have such a massive military. There are branches, but it basically it's just the Defense Force. It's not the name. You don't talk about it separately. It's just the NZDF. And they looked into it and they basically they just started doing what so many of these government agencies do. They said, well, uh, we think it was Venus, and then somebody pointed out, well, Venus was actually below the horizon at the time of the sightings, mm -hmm. and they said, mm -hmm. and also these guys had seen Venus and pointed out where it was in the sky, and and then they said, okay, well, fine, it wasn't Venus, so it must have been an uh, unburnt meteor following the plane. Okay, <laughs> so then, um, okay, so that didn't hold water. Okay, well, it was squid boats. So even though these guys had seen squid boats in the ocean, and these squid boats are these massive trawlers with they've got these huge banks of light that they shine at the water so the squid come to the surface. Uh, mm -hmm. But again, they're not floating in the air. These guys had seen squid boats and said, no, it definitely wasn't a squid boat. And one of the most astounding things to me, and, and I found this hilarious, is that what, what, someone tried to explain the radar footage by saying, do you know what that was showing up on the radar footage? It was a field of cabbages. <laughs> exactly. So I, I mean, man, they look. They they literally did the whole just keep rolling out excuses until people get tired. And also, what they did was basically the Ministry of Defense came out and basically did their press release on what they thought it was and that they dumped it. And they did it just before the month long summer holiday, so people couldn't ask any questions. <laughs> and oh yeah, man, it was like it was. You can see the influence of some of the U.S. agencies and the U.K. agencies in what goes on in New Zealand and Australia, because it's like literally they're reading straight out of the, the handbook of the CIA or uh, the FBI, whoever else may be involved, the, the, the U.S. Air Force. <laughs> they're literally doing it the same way. And to this day, I mean, there's there's actually there is footage of these balls of light. Um, and I've got a link on in my show notes to that. It's just like a little four minute clip. You can buy a DVD kind of documentary about the whole thing, but I, I haven't gone quite that far. But yeah, it, it is quite a fascinating case. 
and the, and this was another thing, you know, when they straight away they started saying, oh, well, the, it's the radar. The radar in Wellington wasn't calibrated. And the guy who was manning the radar station happened to be, like, the, the biggest expert on that type of radar in the Southern Hemisphere. And he said, well, no, actually, in the middle of this, I calibrated it to make sure it was working. And guess what? Oh. It was working fine. And he had to go back and go, what else can we blame this on? <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. And there's so what, many. What, what year did you say that was? 1979, and then okay. obviously going into, might have been 78. Sorry, it was 78 or 79. And like I say, if if you find the episode, I can send you a link after in my show notes. Sure. I've got all kinds of good links in there. And again, uh, they actually took that footage. They took the 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 audio recordings and the the video recordings, and they took it like literally did the whole. We're going to put these in a suitcase and handcuff them to you and took it to the U.S. to be to be inspected by like one of the most foremost uh, video experts in the world. And he basically said there's there's no trickery here. There's no double exposure or anything else. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but I'm sure when you saw his name, you would know who it is right away. He, he was very famous at the time. Huh. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah definitely send me the, the links on that stuff. I'd yeah. like to check that out. Yeah, and, and, and like I say, man, being being down here, there's so many things like that. Some people in New Zealand know about it. Some people outside of know about it, but about it, but they'll very quickly go, oh, yeah, well, that was proven to be Venus or whatever, because they just they haven't heard the whole story. And one of the greatest things for me about doing what I've done uh, is that every episode, Dave, I'll, I'll go into it and I'll say, well, I, I know what happened here, right? You know, it's I studied it as a kid. I read about it. And I'll be damned. Every episode, I learn like four, five, six new things or new angles. Like one, I, I haven't done it yet. I'll get there, but I haven't covered it because, again, it's one of those very famous cases. But from your neck of the woods originally, the one of the earliest case I can remember reading about as a kid that always fascinated me was uh, the, the Kelly Hopkinsville uh, goblins, for lack of a better term. And I'm sure even with that, man, I'll, I'll get into that. I'll start researching and I'll find out something new there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, new stuff comes out all the time, too. That's I, I could go back through the whole catalog of what I've covered and, and probably redo, uh, you know, a hundred shows yeah. and with, with new and updated information and stuff. Um, so I, I, I know what you mean. Uh, with that <laughs> it's like this uh i just found out about it the other day and again uh, my program isn't massive and and, and that's uh, it's it's not a poor me uh, that's fine with me as long as people are listening and people are getting some value from it i've got a, a pretty good little network of kind of eight to ten people who will send me articles and that and go hey have you heard about this and because i'm so busy juggling plates and again <laughs> you know exactly what i'm talking about it's awesome to have those field correspondents and it, and they get honorary titles. So like there's uh, I've got a friend in Texas who's always helped me cover things. And she is the president of uh, the, the, the Texas branch of, you know, my, my correspondency. And every time she sends me an article, she gets coverage. But one that just came out the other day, and I don't know if you've heard about it because I've had a few other people. Uh, I mentioned it to them. They go, what? When did this happen? Uh, have you heard about the CIA documents on the UFOs that have just been released on the Black Vault? I, I heard that they had um, the government was giving them like a certain amount of time to, to do that. And I, I think today they they dumped a bunch of it. Is that right? 
Yeah, so the whole, that 180 days was tied into the COVID spending bill. And I had people rushing out there telling me, oh, it's, aha, disclosure. And I did a an audiogram uh, that I released this week that basically summed it up. And I, I said, look, folks, I have been hearing that disclosure is imminent. And the first thing I said was since at least 2000, and I said, no, no, hold on, back up. Uh, I can remember them talking about it during Clinton's term. I can remember Reagan and Carter because they had sightings. Those guys were going to disclose. I basically said my personal opinion is that I think we're going to get to June and there's going to be a lot of smoke and not so much fire because I think that anything that's of real substance and value was moved to private entities a long time ago because they don't have to disclose. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I said, look, I... There, I'm sure there will be some interesting things, but it's not like I think they're going to come out on June 1st or whenever it is and go, here's the disc and here are the aliens that we captured and, and here they are in formaldehyde. And I, I just I don't see it happening. Uh, but yeah, I did. Here's, here is one. His name's Steve. He'll say hi, but <laughs> yeah. he can't breathe the air very long. <laughs> he can't breathe the air unless he's breathing through a, a, a smooth, cool Chesterfield filter. If he's doing that, then he's okay. Um, but I, I said, look, I 150% hope I'm wrong. I really, really do. But I just said, I've been immersed in this for like 35 years. I've seen what goes on with this, how the government treats these things, how the UFO community itself treats these things. And I don't see like a massive, here's all the proof and, and everything you need to know. Well, I'll be damned. Um <laughs> Uh, a couple days ago, somebody sent me a link to these CIA documents, and I, I thought to myself, well, I've heard this before, and I remember there was a big dump a few years ago, and when I tried to go and find these documents, they were gone. Like, I couldn't, they were on the Black Vault, and then when you went to follow it, it was a 404 link, and I could never track them down. Well, sure enough. Conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. Conspiracy. Oh, it's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> they Or did they ever exist at all? <laughs> yes, yes. In a parallel universe. <laughs> Is well, Mandela affected? <laughs> exactly. In a, in a parallel universe where monkeys have Rubik's Cubes powering their thoughts. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, um, sure enough, uh, I'll be damned. I, I read the news article in my uh, segment that I'll release tonight. And here we go. Millions, millions of documents was the way that it was termed. Not millions of pages, but millions of documents. And I thought, Good God, that's a lot of documents. Greenwald, who's the guy who started and runs the Black Vault, he basically said they got released to him, not now, but it was maybe within the last year or so, and they were all released to him in TIF format. And I didn't even know what TIF format was, and it's basically really archaic, predates PDF, <laughs> and it makes it impossible to like do any searching. You have to literally go through each and every document. So he's taken the time to rescan everything as PDF. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, and I just happened to trip across a guy. Um, I'm a member of a lot of podcast groups on Facebook, and this guy was saying, oh, guys, come and check out my live, my live stream because I'm tired of talking to myself. And I went over, and here's this guy just randomly picking documents out and reading them. And look, there were some really fascinating things in there. Again, smoking gun, no, but... You could see discussions about things going to Wright Pat and quote unquote experts at Wright Pat and everything else. And this guy, I'd say he's younger, but he didn't even know kind of what the tie in was with Wright Pat. I'm like, dude, that's like the most famous 
Hangar 18, and that's right. supposedly where Roswell went. And I couldn't follow his whole live stream because he was on YouTube, and he was having distortion at his end, and I just couldn't. But but anyway, um, I just thought, wow, you know, this is awesome. And, and probably what I'm going to do over the hiatus of the show is I'm just going to randomly go and find some of these documents. And again, I'll, I'll send you a link to it um, and read a few, you know, maybe do like a half-hour news segment once a week or something just to mm-hmm. keep people focus kind of like how you did uh how, how you did some of your bonus episodes and just read some of these documents verbatim and say hey folks these are out there now um but anyway I, again it is just as we all know it's like the whole ufo phenomenon is like bottling fog it just you can never tie it down but i found it so fascinating that everybody's focused on this june thing and here's this million document data dump that like hardly anyone's talking about. And it's yeah. the CIA. We're not it's not the, you know, the army the army corps of uh flower arrangers, you know, releasing what they have on UFOs. It's the freaking CIA, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this whole year in in 2020, it, there's there's so much distraction from oh, you yeah. know, you had the uh the Pentagon coming out and saying, "Well, yeah. Basically, this stuff is uh, we're taking it serious, and um, that whole flap with the that that uh, the TTSA and yeah. the guys with the the um, Air Force tracking that one that famous you know now famous video uh, of the the uh, object that's speeding along in their sights, and the pilots are going crazy, you know, and stuff like the the Pentagon all all but admitted, you know, this we don't know what this is, and. Right now, we don't think anybody on Earth has this capability. <laughs> so, therefore, something, you know, something's up here. Now, whether or not this is so compartmentalized that they truly don't know, but there's another branch that does, you know, right. or, uh, you know, the black ops that, that do know what's going on, or whatever shadowy things controlling everything. <laughs> but, you know, that could be, I guess, as well. But... um it's uh it is very interesting in any other year any normal year yeah uh, it would have been ground uh, breaking it would have been completely um cataclysmic in in terms of like what does this mean what's going on you know everybody yeah. if if that was the thing people could focus on then <laughs> yeah. it would have just been uh it, it would have exploded but you know we have such a mess in in the yeah. states and now with covid yeah all, all over the world that this maybe it's the perfect time they think to dump all this information you know maybe they think everybody's distracted let's let's put it out here that there's aliens around us and then let's get back to the covid right everybody (laughs) you know so i don't know it's uh it's pretty amazing it is pretty amazing well there's a long history of this happening you know in a much more mundane basis you look at things like uh the federal reserve act that was passed just before the Christmas holidays when nobody was paying any attention. And the guy who stumped up and basically was pushing for it, he said 10 years later, oh, in hindsight, that was a bad idea. <laughs> and and there's so many, I mean, there's that, there's the Patriot Act stuff, all the stuff that got pushed through with that because they were writing the raw, raw, raw sediment. And again, they, they chose to release that right around the holidays. So, I mean, it does fall very much in line with kind of modus operandi for uh obscuring things and it's like we'll we'll just we'll we'll just float enough of it out there and hopefully the news cycle comes along and washes it away and obviously that's what's been happening i mean i did um i did like a nine-part series on the freaking monoliths man 
And I did it because people asked me to do it, but I was so burnt out by the time I got to the end of it because it's like every day I would say, look, I need a break today. I just did a 45-minute episode on it. I'm trying to do my weekly episode. And then sure enough, something like, something you know, new. yeah, something yeah. yeah big enough that I really needed to cover it would come out. And it's I, I've had more people talking about the monolith, Dave, which we – 99.999999% are certain were not created by interdimensional beings or mm-hmm. someone from Zeta Reticuli, then are covering things like the Tic Tac UFOs and the Pentagon releases and now this massive document dump. It's it's yeah. crazy how something becomes vi- uh, viral and it just washes everything else away. It, it's um, Somebody was saying that the new currency these, day, this, these days are they put it some some way like that is uh, attention spans. Like oh, yeah. you, you got to be able to capture attention, and people's attention is is like a a fruit fly now. It's just there and gone. So, it, and it's true. Like I, I think it's got to be social media and oh, yeah. how how it's kind of made everybody just get caught up in the the river of you know what's going on from day to day and something happens and it's gone the next day and something new you know and well for as creators you know we it's it's kind of frustrating because we <laughs> we have to try and keep people retained and yeah um but but at the same time like it, it's horrible because important stuff that probably should be focused on isn't getting near enough focus so oh, this that's... is all going this whole conversation is going back to to double-edged swords and gray areas <laughs> <laughs> hey that's 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 what's uh that's what most of my show is about. So yeah, no 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 problem there. <laughs> that's also the name of my um, autobiography. <laughs> that that is awesome. I love that. Uh, <laughs> um, hmm, what would mine be? Um, mine would probably be something like Tale of a Crononaut. <laughs> uh, look, all, all joking aside, man, I'll, I'll tell you, um, Dave, I've always been a workaholic being a podcaster you you would understand that i'm sure um in my last job i was basically the fireman and we had like two or three kind of remote sites uh one is like three hours drive away and if one of those guys called in sick it was like uh can you go over with like no notice at 4 a.m and drive across country and go and open up some of the days man when i was working like 14 16 hours at one of the sites here if I was just having a really bad day and it was like end of the day, but there were still things I had to do myself after hours, I'd just fire up chrononauts and you guys would at least allow me to laugh through the conversation. <laughs> I mean, that to me, like uh, uh, with all of the things that you cover that are awesome and that I take seriously, that episode was always like medication for my soul when I just needed to have that good chuckle, man. So oh, um, thank you. Oh, I don't know about you. I mean, you've been on your journey a lot longer than me, but especially for me early on i definitely had imposter syndrome and it was like is anyone even gonna listen to what i do (laughs) and again i mean i i would rather have a an audience of 20 or 30 people who actually really value what i do they're connected they're interested in what i do and they give me some kind of feedback than have hundreds of people who are just like well this is the it thing now because i heard about it on oprah or whatever and so yeah I, i must listen to it and yeah. and and the thing that I always have loved about your program and the ones that I personally always resonate with is that I could picture myself sitting in a chair in the corner while you're doing the program and just listening in. It's 
It's not this overproduced um, beast that is just like, okay, well, this is basically TV for your ears. Um, no, it's 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 much more personal and something enjoyable like that. I mean, you've done. I love all of again uh, things to do with Ireland are close to my heart, uh, with my Irish connection. And I, I just listened to the last two Irish episodes last night, and um, man, it, it's just so awesome to hear somebody covering things like that that may not be the most well known or the most popular things, but it's like, well, I'm covering it because we have to do slurry photos, and we're gonna do <laughs> we're, we're gonna do it. And if you've never heard of it, you have now, and, and it's just awesome to me, man. That um, with everything else involved, and even though you do this for a living and everything else, man, it's it's brilliant that you still stick to your roots and you still do things that you enjoy, and also things that we learn something new every episode. It's it's awesome, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, that and that's that's kind of been one of the goals from the beginning is to to teach people about uh, new things, to expose them to new ideas, and to critically think about things and. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the slurry photos for the Irish stuff because I'm the the well is starting to run dry on the old <laughs> Irish topics. I would I'm, say <laughs> I really have to have to kind of uh, scrape around the bottom to see what's left. But um, now that's still going to be entertaining. There are things I could talk about. I, I actually thought about doing a legendary weapons because there's a bunch of yes. like items and weapons yes. and things that, and um, I just don't know if uh, I don't know <laughs> if that'd be interesting <laughs> to listen to or not. <laughs> Well, I, I've got another one for you that is, it's it's not so much to do with the ghost, but it's definitely in what we cover. And I've done an episode on this. Um, you've heard of High Brazil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I did an episode on, on High Brazil. And I mean, I got 50 plus minutes out of that. And I found all kinds of fascinating stuff about it. I did cover the whole Rendlesham tie-in, but it was much more of a, so I've covered it thing. It wasn't the basis of the episode. The basis of the episode was, did this thing ever exist? This this island, was it there? At the end of the day, um, modern satellites tell us that it's if it's there, it's hiding really, really well. But in, anyway, it's just, it to me, it's always been one of those things that's fascinating that how can something be 200 miles off the coast and mm-hmm. you can't confirm that it's there or not for 500 years, man. It just goes to show how mysterious the oceans can be. Oh, I, 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 and I'll tell you what, this um, this might have been right around the time, right before you uh, uh, started listening to us, but episode 140 was uh, when we covered High Brazil, uh, and that was a that was a slurry photos as well. <laughs> awesome. Um, and that was, yeah, like, I, it, I'm, I'm telling you, like, we, we have scraped that Irish barrel. <laughs> we, we have sucked the Guinness out of the... <laughs> boards of the barrel <laughs> plenty of jameson on the lid like we 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 got to turn the barrel over and like see what's under it i think but it's they're so good the, all the all the irish topics you know well i've got something here that you may not have the ability to to get i remember i can't oh it was uh it was in the the the, the deglocka episode i believe and you were talking about going to the library and getting a hold of that book that was, you know, quite, quite difficult and taking photos. Well, I've got a really old book here and it's something like, um, it's like tales and myths of, of the Celtic race. And it's from the 1800s, man. And I saw it on trade me here, which is our version of eBay. And it was like anything Irish. I used to actually have a search 
or Irish stuff. And if it would pop up and it was interesting, I'd get it. Well, I got this book um, and it was like 10 bucks. And I would say this book would be pretty rare. Anyway, I'm happy to go through that as well and kind of cross-reference against your episodes and, and say, has he covered this? Has he covered this? Has he covered mm. this? And if not, I'm more than happy to pass some of that along. Oh, that'd be great, yeah. Sure thing. I Like I said, I'm, I'm getting down to where it's like, <laughs> do we do I want to talk about the Salmon of Truth or whatever it is? Like, <laughs> do I want to talk about Dagda's Harp? <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh, can i can imagine and yeah man just in that short run of doing monolith stuff <laughs> i can fully understand that it, and, and even then you there might be stuff you're like i think i covered this but i need to go back and look yeah. through all 12 episodes or whatever i've done on it to yeah, to make crazy. sure and there's another one i had that's actually online and that one i quoted like a story of a basically uh mirage island off the coast of ireland in the high brazil episode and it's a pdf scan and this book's in the national library in ireland and i've got a link to that and it's like it's basically a free pdf book i'll flip that to you as well i'll just make a note here uh really quick before i forget because um (laughs) if if you want to laugh at my irish accent (laughs) i i read it verbatim I, i read it as it was written and man i'll tell you the amount of times i had to stop because even even with all of the movies and the books and the irish music i've listened to there were some words there i was like what the hell is this i don't know what it is and after 20 minutes of googling i just came up with insert best guess here (laughs) (laughs) that's when the jameson helps well uh, as an homage to slurry photos photos actually um it sounded like i had some jameson (laughs) couldn't say photos um that's actually what I did at the end of season one. I covered Nan Madol. And uh, have you at least heard of Kava? I have heard of it. Yes. Yeah. So I did uh, Nan Madol while drinking Kava. So I sat nice. here and yeah, had, had some Kava. Just sat back and relaxed uh, because it is something that's drank all over the Pacific. Kava is... Um, it's interesting. It Basically, it, it gives you more of a numbness than anything. And... Mm. Generally, people who haven't had it before, they'll say that like your lip and your tongue and that, especially that goes numb. But it's it's one of the strangest drugs that a person can take. And the reason I say that is we all know with alcohol, if if you drink a shot of whiskey today and you've never had it by next week, you're not going to get buzzed off of that one shot. Well, kava is actually the opposite. And the more you drink, the more affected your body becomes. So regular drinkers actually get to the point where they can't stand up if they've been drinking. Uh, their wow. body just basically goes jelly. And it, it's just like basically having that, that tennis elbow or that uh, that dead leg, but your whole body. <laughs> and they, they, wow. they can't stand up. They need people to hold them up. Um, I've never got to that point. But yeah, it's it, <laughs> I, I've not drank it. I drank a lot of it when I was in Vanuatu, and they would all laugh they would because Vanuatu is supposed to have the strongest kava in the world. And they used to laugh. They say, "Oh well, you drink you drink a lot of kava for a, uh, I can't remember what their their term is for uh, for a white man." For a gringo. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I say, "Well, you know, it just tastes like muddy water to me. It doesn't doesn't bother me. I I ate plenty of potatoes when I was a kid, so it's you know, so a lot of people are put <laughs> off by that because it it looks like basically muddy water in a bowl. Um, oh well. And it, it has an aftertaste, but it's nothing terrible. 
Um, I would send you some, but um, even here, you struggle to import it because it is com considered a, a drug. But if you ever do get a chance to come down here, man, we definitely have to catch up. And I've got kava here, and definitely um, I'll be more than happy to uh, to give you some kava to try, take you out and, and see the sights around here and buy you some beers. Nice. Yeah, I'd, I'd be all for that. I'm... <laughs> I've always wanted to uh, to try the the weird and yeah. uh, different uh, kind of stuff that's around the world. Like you know, I, I used to listen to the uh, podcasts and radio shows, and they talk about ayahuasca, and I'm yeah. like, wow, you know that that sounds crazy. I I want to see like the Kundalini snake in my visions. Like, yeah, that's that's amazing. I I would I would try it once, you know, but yeah. I'd just be afraid that um, in in something like that, it would be like. Um, you, you would get the tourist experience instead yeah. of like a real thing. So uh, I don't know if I, if I trust it anymore, but I'd <laughs> love to try some of that cover with you. That'd be fun. Yeah. And, and, and like I say, it's uh, that I'm trying to think of what else I've had that's similar, but I don't know if you've ever used chewing tobacco, but when I was a kid, that was all the rage was to kind of steal your old man's chewing tobacco. And, <laughs> and well, it, it, it makes you have a bit of a, like a dead lip and you, you kind of lose the feeling in, in your lip and in your mouth from the nicotine and it's it's very similar to that um i like i've i've never had a problem and again it, maybe if i drank it for two weeks straight um it would be different but but i i never had that feeling like i can't feel my body or anything but i've known a lot of fijians here and fijians are notorious kava drinkers and that's what they say after you've got because it, it it's you know think back to our parents or our grandparents and work ended, and they go to the bar and they drink. Well, that's what they do in the islands is a lot of them go and drink kava instead of drinking beer. They go to a kava house, and they all hang out, and they drink kava. And uh, a lady will come around with, like, some food, and you can buy little pieces of chicken or whatever. And after you've shot the breeze with your friends for two or three hours and it's time to go home, you, you get up and you stumble home. So, um, like I say, it's it's something that kava in Fiji, um, they're always doing it, and Vanuatu, like I say, it's in Vanuatu. It's got much more of a. Um, it is considered like a, a relaxation thing, but it's much more in tie with their culture. I would say it was funny because when we went, uh, we we got one of those you know, tours, and they said, "Okay, well, there's two places we can go. We can go to this kava place, and it's basically um, it's got coconut in it, and and I like coconut." And I said, "Well." Why does it have coconut in it? And the guy kind of looks at me and he goes, well, um, it's for women. And I said, so why do you want to take me there? He goes, well, you're a tourist. <laughs> I said, oh, OK, so what's the difference between that kava and the other place? And he goes, well, the other place is the king's kava place, whatever it was called. And he goes, and that's where we drink the authentic kava. And, and just like you say, Dave, I'm the same way. I said, well, if I'm not going to get robbed, shot or my kidneys stolen, I sign me up for the authentic place so sure enough we went there and, and that was it i mean it's just like they pass you a little half coconut shell and and you just drink this and again it's 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 basically like going to happy hour at a bar <laughs> but you're drinking kava instead of beer you got little plates of food passed around and it's so hot there i mean it's you you live in uh in illinois i don't need to tell you but that hot humid weather it's like that pretty much almost all year there so Things like cover are actually probably better on your stomach than trying to drink a bunch of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. <laughs> Ugh. 
I, I, that's a one thing about, uh, you know, traveling, traveling the world and stuff. I don't know if I'm ever going to get around to any of that tropical, uh, those <laughs> tropical locations. I cannot deal with humidity and the heat. It's awful. Uh, well, uh, my, my partner is, she's New Zealand born, but her family's from Samoa. So, uh, Western Samoa is on the map when you look at it. So not American Samoa, but Western mm. Samoa. And we went there in 2015 and we went in the, the, the quote unquote dry season. And man, it was like as hot as it gets here in summer and probably like 85% humidity every day. And I'm, I'm glad I did it. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's really cool. I'm glad that I went there. And the, the funny bit about it is that my partner doesn't deal with heat. In fact, worse, worse than me. And that's what I always tease her. You know, I say, well, you're the Islander, you know, you're, you're supposed to be able to, to cope with this. But, um, yeah, when we were there, man, I just remember we had a hotel room and like a really rickety poor air conditioner. And she was just laid out on the bed with the air conditioner blowing on her. And it might've been dropping the temperature four or five degrees, um, Celsius, <laughs> but just enough she could kind of breathe. And, uh, but, but yeah, man, everywhere you went, it was, I'll never forget those days in central Illinois in the summer where you would get up and you would walk out to the, to the mailbox, which might be a hundred feet from your room. And you'd come back feeling like you just got out of the sauna because you just have sweat everywhere. And yeah, we, 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 we do get it here, but it's, we get it for like maybe a, a couple months of the year. So it gets hot and it gets humid, but we, we do get kind of like dry heat. And again, our temperatures here are probably kind of the tops of Illinois, kind of like into the the mid-90s. Uh, it's not yeah. nearly as bad as California, but then it's, you throw the humidity on top. I know I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what's funny is uh, when Derek and I went out to the desert to shoot the um, uh, trailer for the documentary, um, for the, well, for the Kickstarter, I guess I should say, uh, we were out there in October and we, we, we took a day, we went out in the morning to the Arroyo Tapiado mud caves and kind of buzzed around there a little bit. That wasn't too bad, but around, I guess, probably like uh, noonish, uh, in the day we, we went down the road a little bit and, um, uh, we're trying to find these rock paintings, these ancient uh, Native American rock paintings. Right. And we we basically went out in the desert, kind of hopped around a bunch of boulders. Um, there were there's just a lot of like hills that are just comprised of just massive boulders and then smaller and smaller rocks, you know, just kind of scattered around. It's like yeah. a big gravel pile, but, <laughs> but, but they're huge. Uh, and so we, we were hopping around these boulders for, I'm sure it was like four hours or something. And it wasn't like the heat wasn't terrible. It was very bearable. Uh, and there was a breeze. So, you know, we, we stayed uh, pretty comfortable, but I'll tell you what, about two hours after we left there, we were wrecked. Yeah. We were absolutely on our asses because we we had just gotten heat stroke. Yeah. Um and didn't even know it. Didn't had had no idea until it just hit and we were both kinda like glazed, you know, over on the eyes yeah. and yeah. and kinda sitting there trying not to throw up and, and then we're like, We gotta do this one more thing for the 
for the trailer, we've got to, you know, film us sitting around the campfire and telling people what this documentary is about while trying not to throw up. So, um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was amazing. And then like, after we just kind of had a little bit of food, drank some water, Derek, I think like splashed a bunch of water in his face, like it finally passed and we were able to, you know, get back to normal, but, uh, it'll get you like you, it's, it's amazing how, how sneaky that stuff is. When I moved to California, so I, I basically, after I graduated high school in uh, the following year, my mom just basically said, you're, you're going. So she put me on a plane and sent me out there because uh, the, the truth was, man, I, look, I was I was a 17 year old alcoholic. I was hanging out with a, a lot of people that uh, were probably not conducive to me going anywhere in life. And it was probably just as well for me to, to, to get out of there. And that part of the state is very like, it's very rigid in the hierarchy. It's like, <laughs> you are what you are, and it's really hard to like, get ahead in life. So yeah. um, in hindsight, like I say, it was the best thing for me at the time. But when I got to Southern California, man, like, because you don't think about it, what the heat or the weather is like in different areas, you might hear it's rainy, or you might hear it's hot. One of the early jobs I had, because again, like I say, <laughs> I'm a moron and a workaholic. One of the early jobs I had was digging ditches for irrigation. <laughs> and wow. we, we would go up to these people's homes, like five, six million dollar homes up in the hills. And you'd start at like six in the morning and we'd go out to these places. And, and man, we would just go like hell, like the chief. I mean, there's only a few of us. It wasn't like the, the chain gang movies or anything, but they'd just be whipping you to just go like hell to, to, to dig. And you're just going, what's the rush? And the reason was, like you say, you had to go like hell because by 11 o'clock or so, it was so hot and you'd feel so drained from losing humidity and everything else because of the uh, the dry heat that you just couldn't do anything like heavy work at that time of day. So you had to do the things like laying the hoses and aligning things and, and, and testing for leaks and all of that. And then later on in the evening or in the afternoon, you would get that kind of ocean breeze coming across. Man, I, I hear you. And... Another thing here that a lot of people don't realize unless they've been here or they know people here, RUV here and in Australia is like some of the highest in the world. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, melanoma, we have the highest rate of melanoma in the world here. People die from it all the time. It's something like four or 500 people a year die in New Zealand from melanoma. I knew a guy here, uh, so, so my partner works for like kind of border security, but it's... Um, it's more to do with like agricultural and food stuff. So when you were, came in and you would have seen the sniffer dogs in that, they're actually looking for like apples and you would have seen the signs everywhere in the airport saying $400 fine or whatever it was. Well, well, that's who my partner works for. And uh, she used to have these work dinners with colleagues. And one of the guys, he was from the Philippines. And everyone here from the Philippines, as soon as they hear I'm an American, we've got something in common. So they you know, want to talk. And this guy said to me, he goes, how do you find the heat here? And I said, well, the heat's not too bad, but the sun, definitely, man. If you're out there 20 minutes, I've got to be really careful. And he had a laugh and he goes, okay. He goes, I, I'm obviously from the Philippines. I grew up. I spent my whole life outside. He goes, I was here gardening at home and I was outside for two or three hours. And he said, I slowly, like I started losing my vision. And everything was going white. I said, well, that's a good start. At least it wasn't going black. And he goes, yeah, but he, he goes, it, it was going white and he, he couldn't see. 
So his wife took him to the doctor, and the doctor told him he'd actually burned his corneas from the oh. UV. And he couldn't believe it because, like he said, he goes, look, I've grown up in the sun. I'm from the Philippines. And the doctor goes, yeah, well, you actually have an ozone layer <laughs> that stops yeah. that UV light in the Philippines. And we have it here, but um, basically, we just like you'll have tornado warnings in the Midwest, we've got UV warnings, and you have to make sure that you check what the UV is going to be for the day if you're going to go out because even like 35 or 50 uh, level sunscreen, it'll go through that in like an hour if you're not careful. Oof. Yeah. I remember uh, when we went down there on vacation, it was like uh, everybody was saying, you know, there's a, there's a hole in the ozone, so you got to be real careful, <laughs> yeah. limit, you know, your time and exposure and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's something else. Well, a few years ago, I remember I, got home from from work for christmas and like you know our christmas time off so it was the last day i came home uh, i got like a bucket of drinks uh beer or cider and i got in the pool because we've got a small pool and uh got out there started drinking had a good buzz on i wasn't even out there 45 minutes man and i looked like literally red lobster and <laughs> i spent like the next two weeks trying to get over that to where i could sleep and everything else and um, it was uh, if I wasn't if I wouldn't have been drunk, uh, obviously I would have yeah. caught it a lot sooner. But man, it it was just crazy. And I thought to myself, and I'd been here over ten years at that point, and still I hadn't learned because <laughs> yeah, you know, some sometimes you just you just slip back. Um, if if you ever are looking for a tropical destination that's not nearly as um, swampy as some of those other places, if you go to the Cook Islands and specifically Rarotonga, which is the the main island if you go there in uh the north american summer so kind of june july august the temperatures there are just about like ideal so it's kind of daytime highs of 21 22 which i think is about 75 to 80 and overnight it gets down to like um maybe 60 so you get that nice refreshing cool breeze um i've never got to go there at that time of year because that's high season and um every time i went i was scrimping but man, I, I loved Rarotonga, and if you just want somewhere to kind of go and recharge, it's an island that's 32 kilometers around. You can go around the whole island in 45 minutes. Um, everybody's friendly. Everybody speaks English. Uh, they have New Zealand dollars. Everybody there either has someone who is a friend or family in New Zealand or the U.S., and it's basically like being in another province of New Zealand is what it's like. and It's just relaxing, man. So if there's a place that you wanted to go and you're like, okay, I want to go somewhere that's not gonna, that's not gonna swamp me with that uh, that tropical heat, um, that's that would be my suggestion. I love it there. Nice, yeah, that's that sounds actually uh, perfect. Like when people say paradise, that's yeah, that's kind of what I picture. I don't I don't get it when people say paradise and then it's like uh, nothing but sweat and uh, <laughs> malaria, forests and malaria. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I lost a leg, but good thing I'm in paradise. It's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, but it's gorgeous here. You know, <laughs> yeah. I can I can only see half of it now because I'm half as fast. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, when when we were in Vanuatu, uh, I'm I'm really glad that I went there because it's really cool. So, Vanuatu is basically the next island chain up, I think, from uh, the Solomon Islands where Guadalcanal was. So it, it's in that basic vicinity, and it was really cool because they show you all the old 
abandoned U.S. airstrips and that, you know, they'll drive you around and say, you see that big field of grass? It's actually concrete underneath. And um, anyway, <laughs> when I was there, man, I either got like dengue fever or something. I, I don't know what it was, but it was like three days of just like splitting migraine. I'd wake up and within like 30 seconds, I would just be floored. And I just remember watching the sunrise and sunset. like I'd wake up and I'd go, what time of day is it? Well, the sun's setting. And basically my partner had to fend for her own for like those three days. And there was food and all that, but I, she'd say, oh, I'll save some for you. And I'm like, no, I just, I, I don't even know if I'm going to live. I'm not worried about <laughs> eating right now. And luckily it came right before we traveled back. But man, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of that tropical stuff that kind of goes undiagnosed because people like me, uh, if if it would have gotten so bad, like I was afraid I was going to die, obviously I would have went to the hospital. But yeah. most of the time you just kind of think, well, it's a bug or and when you're kind of halfway through it, you're just like, well, it's not getting worse. So I'll just try and make it through. But oh, yeah, yeah, man, some of that stuff. And you don't even know, like I, I've got no idea to this day what happened. Um I don't know if I drank something or I got had a mosquito get me or what it was, but geez, it just laid me low for about three days. And lucky we're one of those, it sounds like we're very similar to what you and your wife do. We're not out to do like the, see, 14 countries in 12 days. It's like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the only way I'm doing that is if I'm watching it on a documentary. Um, I am not going to be rushed from, you know, shop to shop just because you're trying to to meet your whistle stop itinerary. So luckily we, we, we had plenty of time for, for that. But uh, Van, like I say, Vanuatu is nice, but it, it is swampy. It's a really cool dynamic because it's like some of those places in the Caribbean where it was joint colonized by the British and the French. So it was really cool when we were there that uh, uh, you'd ask the taxi driver, you'd go, oh, take me to the butcher and he'll go to you. Do you want to go to the French butcher or the English butcher? I'm like, well, take me to the French butcher. And you'd go there, man, and they have like these, uh, they've got escargot and, you know, all kinds of French food that I'd never actually seen in person. And then you'd go to the English butcher and then it's much more like sausages and, and, uh, you know, cuts of steak and that. But it, and, and it's amazing that like over a hundred years later, it's still kind of, that's how the island is divided up the country. And you've got French speakers and English speakers and the people who speak good French know a little English and vice versa. I'll never forget, like when you were talking about paradise. We were sitting in this coffee shop in downtown Port Villa, which is like the, the capital and the, the quote unquote big city. And we're sitting there and there's this there's the main street and we're just having like a coffee and having some excellent pastries. And I see this guy sitting in a van and he's he's uh, he's uh, someone from Vanuatu and he's kind of looking at his watch and he's in a rush. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't kind of fit the norm here. Everybody's really laid back. They're all on island time. And I, I'm watching this guy in the traffic, and yeah, he seems like a rush because he's trying to get through the traffic. Do you know what it was, Dave? You know why he was in a rush? Why? He had an ice cream, and his ice cream was melting. <laughs> and he sees me looking at him. He's probably like uh, 40, 50 feet away, and I've got all my sunglasses, but I've got this massive smile. And this guy looks at me, and he sees me smiling because he works out that I've worked out why he's, and he just starts busting up laughing, and I started laughing. And it was the most organic, amazing thing that I've ever had happen in travel that you, you could sit there and you could go, now that guy has got his priorities straight. You know, he's he is not rushing because the boss is on his ass. He's not rushing because it's the end of the day. He's rushing because his ice cream's melting. And I, yep. I just thought, man, this is 
the, these these people have have got their lives sorted. <laughs> yeah, That's man. great. Dave, I don't want to hold you up too long because I know it's late there, um, and I'm one of those people who could go forever and ever, and and I know that you often can too. But um, I know I'm sure that you've got other things to to get on to. So why don't you just tell you know give give uh, I, I've talked about the show like I expect everyone to know blurry photos and and what you do and everything else. So you know why why don't you just give the listeners a little bit of a blurry photos in a in a very blurry nutshell. And and also, of course, tell us about ghosts in the desert. Oh, sure. Shadows in the um, desert. Sorry. And uh, and uh, thanks again for having me on. It's uh, fun to talk to you. And um, uh, man, like I said, I, I could uh, I could come back to New Zealand uh, every other week if I could afford it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So blurry photos. Uh, I've been doing it for I guess since 2012 now. So nine years uh, going on uh, this year and. About to start the, I guess, tenth season in March, and um, started it with a, a with a partner, Dave Stecco, and we did it up until 2017, 2018, the turn of twenty eighteen, I believe, and um, uh, and then Dave left the show uh, to pursue his own interests, and I've been doing it ever since uh, solo. But you know, I have people on to talk, and yeah. I do deep dives into paranormal topics, uh, things like. Um, mysteries in history, um, ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, uh, folklore, mythology, the Holy conspiracies. Grail. Yeah, yeah, like the the Holy Grail, and then all the little encrusted <laughs> gems around it. Actually, that's not true. That's not the cup of a carpenter. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I I I try to cover a, a bunch of different topics, but go really deep into them and and yeah. find out all the little nooks and crannies and um all the information to present and um we uh we have a good time and uh just recently so before covid we had just um finished a kickstarter this was this was almost a year ago we had finished a kickstarter my uh, a colleague of mine uh Derek Hayes who um is the host of the Monsters Among Us podcast uh we decided to do a documentary on what we call the Borrego Triangle. And this is in Southern California. It's a region of the Anza Borrego State Park, uh, the desert out there that has just a ton of high strangeness associated with it. And that includes uh, UFO sightings. There's some cryptid stuff, uh, especially Sasquatch related. Uh, and then there are ghosts and paranormal activity, including ghost lights. Uh, there's spectral um you, you mentioned it earlier there's some kind of <laughs> a skeleton that's wandering around out there um lady in white yeah. you know out there on the stagecoach trail and so and and it's all concentrated in this little desert community um and it's just very fascinating and so we decided that we wanted to uh take a closer look at it get on the ground out there get out there talk to people and do some research and present this as a documentary. So we got funded for that. We're going to be, uh, pre we're, everything stopped because of COVID, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Like the, the state park shut down, so we couldn't get back out there and haven't been able to. Um, but when, when that gets opened again, uh, hopefully very soon, you know, this spring or summer, I'm, we're hoping, we're going to go out there and shoot this uh, documentary called Shadows in the Desert. And it's going to be about all that high strangeness. Um, we're really, we're really excited about it, but uh, we're we're still chomping at the bit trying to uh, figure out when we're going to do this. 
but when we do it, I think it'll be it'll be great, and we're going to oh, try yeah. to you know put it on all the platforms. You would uh, you would see this stuff on like um, I mean, hopefully uh, we'll get it out there on like Netflix and Amazon and maybe Hulu stuff like that. So that is the that is the hope and uh, uh, the uh, a little bit of a plan, but. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been up to, and um, still putting out shows. And like I said, I've got uh, the Twitch channel at uh, Twitch.tv/blurryphotos, and I I play a couple times a week, like Thursday and Saturday nights right now on U uh, at US time, and I play horror games awesome. on, uh, on those nights. And then like you know, every now and then I'll jump on there and just do a, a little Minecraft world that I'm running for you know if you just want something chill and not something where I either have all these jump scares and I curse or I get really salty and I curse uh, or I just whine and bitch about the game and the mechanics and I curse. Um, there's not a lot of cursing in the Minecraft. <laughs> Therefore, so panspermia. There, there you go. Um, so that's that's what I'm into. And if you like trivia, I don't know if, uh, if, if anybody oh, yeah. will get a kick out of this, but uh, my wife and I host the podcast Quiz Quiz Bang Bang and... Um, that's uh we're we're getting near our hundredth episode on that too and that's oh, been nice. a ton of fun it's it's half um questions and answers you know just if you're going to your old pub quiz or now online quiz um to study for to to just learn new facts oh, and it's good for the brain yeah good for the brain yeah and then once a month we have uh, guests on to play that format against each other and it's a lot of fun we we've had a good time doing it so that's uh there's uh, all kinds of ways you can uh um, stalk me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, uh, I always try and, uh, I know you're the same way. I always try and make it easy for the listeners because as you say, everyone's attention is drawn in so many places and, and pulled 20 ways to kingdom come that I just, I've written down, uh, like quiz, quiz, bang, bang and that. And thank you because I wouldn't have known. And then I just put a link in the show notes that they can just click on. And Perfect. they can go over there and find it. Yeah, because I, I know what it's like myself. I've had people, believe it or not, even with a even with a program with the name of The Paranormal Sun, do you know how many times I have people say to me, oh, what's your show about? <laughs> it's like um, flower arranging in Texas, right. actually. Yeah. yeah, this is bowling. Yeah. Bowling 101. <laughs> yes, Skittles, actually. We, 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 we specialize in Skittles here. We don't do bowling, okay? We, you know, bowling. <laughs> bo- Bowling is My the working mistake. man's game. Yes, you know? that was the that was the paranormal sun spelled S U N. So, uh, yes, yes, um, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, though, it is it is crazy, uh, and in a positive way, the amount of people that have gotten interested in things like quizzes, quiz shows, things like that. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. kind of uh, board games have made a bit of a comeback, even if it's virtual. Uh, yeah. with the pandemic and everything else and me personally i look i i think it's awesome because i'm a bit of a uh uh old soul and i still find a lot of joys and things like that like um i'm i'm one of those boring types that i'll sit there and i'll listen to like the same hp lovecraft audiobook over <laughs> and over because i like the voice actor that did it in the 1960s you know and okay. uh, un- unfortunately they did edit out the bits where he had to stop for his smoke break, you know, so, so you don't hear him, you don't hear him firing up the Zippo. I guess they thought that that might not be too PC nowadays, but you can tell with those old guys, man, they all were heavy smokers because they had that deep husky voice, you know, and, yep. Uh, yep. yeah, but Isn't no, look, funny? so, so uh, definitely I'll have links to all of that in the show notes and, oh, of, of course, man, like, like I say, 
you, uh, your program is one of those programs that actually gave me the confidence to say, I can do this too. And, and again, just because you do something doesn't mean I, I love these people and I, I know that you see it and I don't want to dissuade anyone from podcasting, but I love the amount of people who like come storming into those podcast groups. I mean, and I see it at least four times a day. It's like, so I've just recorded three episodes and I'm ready to launch. How do I monetize? And it's like, uh, and patience Padawan. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. And the amount of like, I, I, I've, there are some really, um, sarcastic people that I love in the group because I don't say anything and they'll say, it, you know, they'll say the best way to become a millionaire podcasting is to start as a billionaire and then start your own podcast. <laughs> and, and, and they'll, now that is true. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they'll say, Oh, what, what are you talking? And it just goes right over their head, man. And, um, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like the, the two old guys in the Muppets, you know, up in the balcony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did they say? You make money doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, um, oh yeah, man, look, um, like, like I say, keep doing what you're doing. If I, I know you've told everyone that you've got everything under control, but if there is anything I can help you with, man, with, with your program, even if it's just, you're, you're having a rough week and you want to have, you want to have the tinfoil hat guy from New Zealand on to, to talk about things. Um, I'm always more than happy to help. I, this is to me, this is the best part of podcasting as well is to have these conversations, just talk about different things and say, Oh, have you heard about this? Or have you heard about that? And, um, it, look, it's, it's, it's awesome. If you do get a chance to make it down here, like I say, you're always welcome here at tower studios. Um, uh, it's, we 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 have to have these super fancy names behind the curtain, you know. Don't don't tell anyone that um, that I'm that I'm podcasting from a garage, okay? Just we'll we'll hey, just leave I, that up. Yeah, I won't tell them if you don't if you don't tell them I'm sitting here in front of all my dress shirts in a closet that's like <laughs> three feet by five feet. I won't say a thing. <laughs> exactly, and, and like I say, man. Uh, aside from that, if there's ever anything uh, you you want to know, or even if I'm like you. I, I get <laughs> I get off onto something, and I'm like, ooh, shiny, and I go and I wander off. But if any of these links, you know, I I don't send them to you in a timely manner. Just 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 poke me and say, hey, uh, JT, you were going to get off your backside and and send me that uh, that instance. But uh, like I say, we we seem to look at things in a very similar manner and cover a lot of the same topics. So I'm one of those people, and I've done it multiple times where I've had interviews. And they'll bring up something and I'll say, well, did you hear about this case in 1958, blah, blah, blah. And I'll have it 80% right. I'll have the year right. Mm. I'll have that this guy saw a UFO in a cornfield and I'll have the wrong state. And it'll be something like that. So I'll always say to people, look, I've I've got a pretty good memory for this stuff, but don't at me if it it happened in Indiana and not Iowa. You know, it's like, oh, that's (laughs) actually, that's my county's most biggest claim to fame and you're trying to screw us you're trying to let the corn huskers take this away from us it's like just 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 calm down man and oftentimes what i do is i go back in the show notes and find links to what the hell i was talking about so yeah so they can they can go and follow it but um yeah look man i I look forward to season 10 and like i say i know you're busy man i know you're juggling many plates but you're welcome on the paranormal sun anytime it's an honor um i really appreciate that you've taken the time uh, and if you would like, it's completely up to you. But, uh, when I send out my next, uh, my next, uh, mailbag, um, every few months I try, I, I, I'm old school. Like I say, 
I think it's cool to send people postcards from New Zealand because hmm. it's not something a lot of people have. And if you'd like one, I'm more than happy to to fire one off your way. Great, yeah, I'll uh, uh, I'll be in touch with, over the um, uh, Facebook Messenger, and we can uh, figure that stuff out. Yeah, sure. sweet. Um, and I want worries. to look some more into this uh, Kaikura light. Yeah. Um. So I might be uh, I might be in touch with you about that uh, in the near future as well. Yeah, of, of course. We we've got a few things down here. We've got that case. We've got some other UFO cases, but. There are some things, man, it's only when you really start digging or, again, because I'm that tinfoil hat guy, I hear this stuff and what normal people would read about it in the newspaper or something and laugh. I go, wow, that's that's interesting. So we've actually got big cat sightings that I've covered Ooh. several times in the News of the Damned. Um, and so that's my homage to Charles Fort. That's my news yep. segment. And then nice. I've also, yeah, actually... Anybody who starts this podcast from the beginning probably got really bored because I did like I did a couple episodes covering me, why I'm into it, everything else, and then I launched I launched straight into the most exciting thing you can imagine. A man who spent twenty plus years of his life in libraries. So I did a two part series on Charles Fort because I needed people to know why he meant so much to me and to so many other people. So I did two episodes on that before I really started getting into the the subject matter. But, you know, we've got big cat sightings down here. We've got our own version of uh, Bigfoot uh, that I only found out about a few years ago. Now, there's also cool. an, another excellent thing I will cover uh, when I get to it, one of the hundreds of backlog things, and it's this phantom canoe that was actually sighted before we had this massive um, volcanic eruption in the 1880s here on Lake Tarawera, which is very close to Taupo and uh, Rotorua, where you were. Basically, the the local Iwi, the Mori, were on this lake with some settlers, and they were basically trying to warn everyone that the mountain was going to explode, and there'd already been mudslides, and they needed to evacuate. Well, they were rowing one way across this lake, and in the opposite direction was a phantom war canoe full of, basically, warriors, just like Scooby-Doo in it, <laughs> towards them, and basically passed them, and everybody on the canoe just went dead silent. And later, when they kind of compared notes, they said that those canoes hadn't been used for like two or three hundred years. Basically, they had a long-standing tradition that when you saw this uh, ghost canoe, it was the end of the world. So, I'll, oh wow, yeah, I'll I'll be covering that at some point because again, that's something that the average person you'd have no way of hearing about that. Even for me, man, even being here, I literally have to go to the library and find books from the fifties and sixties to actually dig this up because you just can't find it anywhere. Wow, it's pretty great. It's yeah, pretty man. great, man. Thank, thanks for staying up. I, I know it's. Let's see, it's what. Uh, oh, it's just ooh, nine. I'm nine okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, not, not too I'm horrific. Still good. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I stay up till like two anyway. So <laughs> honestly, man, that's that's me, and especially in the summer because that way, a, it's a lot better working in the studio when it's actually halfway cool. But mm. uh, also, when I go to sleep, I can go to sleep instead of struggling and i've always been a night owl anyway man the the yeah. only time the only reason i ran you know kind of the the normal daylight hours was because work work dictated that i must and yeah. uh I, i'm the same i i love it when people will say to me they'll send me a facebook messenger and they'll say what are you doing up at 7 a.m there and they're like oh what time did you get up oh, i haven't gone to bed <laughs> like go to bed <laughs> <laughs> it's like a uh, life life of a uh, a man of leisure <laughs> now I just I just need that Chesterfield sponsorship with uh, Schlitz in the background, man, 
and, and you'll uh, be all set. That's yeah. I'll be I'll be all set. Do you want cigarettes on your hamburger? Of course I want cigarettes on my hamburger. What am I, a Nancy? <laughs> <laughs> you call me bastard? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> and make sure that you give me... I don't want you chintzing out. You make sure you give me the ones with the asbestos filters. I don't want any, don't want any yeah. of that fiberglass, man. <laughs> <laughs> Unless that's all you got. And then I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. I'll just chew them. I'll eat them with, <laughs> with, with milk like cereal like Dad used to. I'll break off the filters. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man, honest, Dave. Anytime, if there's anything I can do to help, um, I'm I'm more than I'm more than happy to. And again, I know you've taken a similar journey to me, and it's probably one of those things you're like, it's not that big of a deal, but this is like a bucket list thing for me, man. So I really do appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure. I I appreciate that. I, I do. And uh, thanks for having me on, John. And like I said, I'll I'll um. Uh, be in touch about the the other stuff and send me those links. I'll yeah. check that out and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch. All good, man. Uh, like I say, I appreciate it. And seriously, if you're ever in this neck of the woods and you and your lovely wife have a good evening, <laughs> I hear you. All right, Dave. All right, dude. Take, Take care, care, man. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Bye.